0: It's time for midday, and it is Friday here on the Rural Radio Network as we begin with roundtable discussions and uh, to get off. And this is really to get towards the weekend. So that's all, we're all doing some work. And I was told prior to going in that Brandon has a trivia question for us to get our brains working.
1: I have a sports related trivia question. We're going to talk about the brand new contract that Kansas State Wildcat head football coach Bill Snyder just signed okay. he is the oldest active football coach in america today who is the second oldest active football coach okay. in america today
0: can we wait till sports we we'll will wait till sports it. all right the rest of you can be thinking about this too while we're going <laughs> susan littlefield was just talking to the governor so her brain is full right now right susan <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: yeah it's like over lord for so Stewart county became, uh, Number 48 in the livestock friendly. And ah. speaking of sports, I have no clue who number two is, but I do know that the Green Bay Packers play by play guy is impersonating Scott Foster.
0: Oh, boy.
3: Wow. That's. So, you would just if you, think.
2: If you get a chance to listen to the game, listen to this guy talk, you're going to think this man's in two different states.
0: Wow. Well, that I, I would. So, I, I don't know why he would do that. But uh, anyway, what do you got going on today, <laughs> Susan?
2: Well, it's a Friday, which means we get to check weather. And if you're looking out your window, you might see a little haze going on. That's first because of the fires out west making their way to smoke, that into Nebraska. But we'll get more of a weather update at 12.19 with Al Dutcher. Not so much 12.45 is, but it's going to have some sports theme to it. Jason Jorgensen will be bringing you to 12.45. And then at one seventeen, it is Friday, which means Friday is in the field. And it will be popping
0: up popcorn when we talk with David Peters. All right. Popcorn fantasy sports and Al Dutcher. Boy, it just doesn't get any better than that. Thank you very perfect. much. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. Be safe out yep. there. Uh, Brandon, I don't know. I I, I the the second oldest I, I'll give you a
1: hint. Okay. You have seen him in person. And I would say that ninety percent plus of our listeners have seen him in person. Mike Riley? Frank Solich. Oh, I bet that makes sense. Frank Solich at 74 okay. is the second oldest among active FBS coaches. So we're going to talk Husker offense and how competition is making them better. The University of Nebraska Kearney volleyball team is ranked eighth in the preseason poll. They went 33-4 and four last year. Get this, they lose a two-time All-American... But they return five starters, including their libero, and they might even be better this year. So we're going to talk a little bit of Loper Volleyball. And, of course, Kansas' uh, Bill Snyder five-year deal that goes through 2020. He'll be 83 when it's up. Wow.
0: That's, a, that's impressive.
1: That is impressive. Well, when I'm 83 years old, I'm going to be lying on a beach somewhere.
0: Well, yeah, I don't. Even, I have no plans. With,
1: well, I'm sun, just,
4: I'm not with making, sunscreen, of course. With yes. lots
1: of sunscreen. <laughs> yes, slathered in sunscreen because you know I'm so white, I'm almost pink. So me, me and the sun don't get along.
0: That's right. You're kind of translucent. I right? am. Yes. That's, that's absolutely yeah. it. All right, Bob Brogan. Uh, how are financials Friday looking?
4: Stocks are following the European markets lower. Investors are worried about a sharp drop in Turkey's currency. Also. Um, consumer prices are on the rise and the education department plans to cut a second rule policing for profits and uh, okay. we'll just uh, say that those are kind of the things we're watching right now and uh, George Carlin used to say that he would not like he didn't like going out in the sun except to neutralize his, the blue color of his skin
0: <laughs> there we go all right all of that is coming up on midday
5: Good afternoon on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us, Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. And, Mike, as we take a look here, was this WASDE report more bearish than many of us expected?
6: It was going to be whether the crop ratings being so much better than last year were going to win out in terms of the yield number and that overshadowing what maybe is happening out in the world Stage and also what's happening in our fields here in the United States, Clay, with this recent dry pattern in parts of the western and central corn belt. And I think that's the clear message that the USDA sent, was that the crop ratings won out with a 178.4 corn yield and a 51.6 bean yield. I wouldn't be surprised to look back and say these were our top-end numbers uh, for the crop year at this stage of the game if we don't get some decent rains the next couple weeks, especially uh, in the corn, because I'm not sure how much additional rains will help the corn at this point. But we have now 30 days to trade these numbers, and so USDA has put a marker down and said you've got plenty of supplies domestically. You don't have to worry as much about the world crop, and you don't have to worry as much about what's happening on the demand side uh, when it comes to other areas that may need our corn and beans.
5: As we take a look there then towards the stockpiles, U.S. definitely ramping up on the soybeans, but corn and wheat falling below last year's levels. Does that maybe signal some more long-term support in the future?
7: Yeah,
6: I think corn takes the overall leader to the upside after today's report, both because of what we just talked about in terms of potential yield damage and that 178.4 being pulled back down towards last month's numbers, And also because the world stocks, while they did go up, they didn't go up in a swelling manner like the soybeans did and even like the global wheat stocks did. We had priced a lot of uh, reduction in the world wheat stocks because of what was happening in Europe and in Australia, Uh, but we still came away with a, a very big ending stocks number of only about... 1 million metric tons, 1.5 million metric tons less than last month. I think we needed to be closer to a 10 million metric ton reduction to feed the bull. In other words, closer to 250 million for world-ending stocks for eighteen nineteen.
5: As we take a look, soybeans continuing to crash now, 33 lower currently. As we see that, could we see some value buying come in here possibly before the close?
6: I would doubt it unless we held the 200-week moving average in the meal. This is the I think the secret weapon of the bean complex always has been the meal technicals and the world meal stocks did fall today versus last month. So 200-week moving average in meal, we're right on it or right just below it right now, around 325 for a low in August meal. If we would hold that, you might see some end-of-the-day short covering clay, but I think otherwise you may open up the downside here if the wheat and the corn join with the beans to the down.
5: Quick look to the outside markets. U.S. dollar index breaking above 95.50 and being able to hold so far today. Does that signal more upward movement there and uh, more weakness against our commodities?
6: Yeah, this is where the wheat market is probably the most vulnerable and threatened because of the Turkish uh, currency is down almost 20% today on fresh sanctions there. So we've got a wide-ranging emerging market sell-off in the currencies, and that's spiking this dollar, breaking it out. That's a big deal, not just for the grains, but also for the livestock, too.
5: That's Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joining us today. If you'd like to learn more from Mike, visit globalanalytics.biz. That's globalanalytics.biz. Mention the Rural Radio Network and receive a two-week free trial. This is the Rural Radio Network.
0: well, time for us to take a look at some ag and regional weather and see what's going on around. And this is the least complicated <laughs> forecast we've had for a while, I think.
8: Yeah, pretty quiet as far as our weather, and really not a whole lot of change over the next uh, several days. Uh, if you're noticing maybe a smoky smell, to the air right now and also some haze in the sky it is from the fires out west it's coming up and over this ridge of high pressure i was trying to interpolate or uh demonstrate (laughs) with my hands on the radio and bang the microphone (laughs) so i apologize to your ears there but we are seeing some of that smoke go up and over a ridge of high pressure that's over to our west and that smoke kind of spilling into our area and i know i know when i walked outside just a little bit ago you could smell a little bit of that smoke just very faintly and of course we're, we are seeing some hazy skies because of that so. they
0: said that the, i think the weather service was saying that you couldn't really see it but it was all the way in new york city as far as wow. it was way up in the atmosphere so that's it's a, it shows how huge those fires
8: are. exactly and it just keeps going and going and going but yeah right now pretty quiet across the area our temperature is in the upper 70s to the low 80s those thunderstorms that were over far southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and eastern Colorado. They're now to the south of I-70, more towards about Cheyenne Wells and points to the south, but very scattered as they move to the south. High pressure overhead today, leading to some light winds above normal temperatures on the way, just a little bit warmer than what we usually see this time of year. Once again, those skies, a little bit hazy day due to the passing of the smoke, and you'll also notice it in the air if you kind of breathe in deeply. <laughs> this afternoon, a few isolated thunderstorms could form, over west-central Nebraska to northwest Kansas, and once again, glide to the south. Kind of like what we saw this morning over southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas. They Pushed clear to the south. It's with a disturbance riding down the leading edge of this ridge of high pressure. Some isolated thunderstorms possible once again, not going to amount to a whole lot. That ridge of high pressure expands east tonight and keeps hold of our weather into most of the weekend for some seasonably warm and dry weather. Some spotty thunderstorms possible as soon as late Sunday night as some low pressure starts to emerge from the southern plains. But right now it's looking very doubtful. We'll see anything with that. But stay tuned, it may get updated. That high-pressure ridge breaks down even more for Tuesday in response to a cold front. It's not going to be a big cold blast of air. Temperatures will be slightly cooler during the midweek with additional chances at some spotty thunderstorms. Overall, things looking pretty quiet for much of next week with no major weather system or big changes in the temperatures. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and northern Kansas temperatures Our forecast to be slightly warmer than normal for the most part Wednesday through August 23rd. Southern Kansas temperatures should be closer to more seasonal this time of year. And in the mid to late part of August, our average daytime high in central Nebraska, usually in the mid 80s with averaging overnight lows in the low 60s. It is likely Nebraska's rainfall will be mostly below normal Wednesday through August 23rd. The Kansas rainfall likely to be near normal weather factors from the markets include dry conditions over the western midwest and continued stressful heat in the northern u.s. and canadian prairie crop areas locally heavy rain will continue the next several days across much of the southern and eastern u.s. with some of the heaviest rain towards texas hot mostly dry weather will prevail from the pacific coast to the northern plains and upper midwest kind of transporting that smoke from the western fires into our area Record high temperatures likely in the next few days in the northern plains and Canadian prairies. That pattern of above to much above normal temperatures and mostly dry weather in the northern plains will deplete their soil moisture and increase the stress to filling corn and soybeans. The hot and dry weather in the Canadian prairies likely distress the wheat and also reduce the hay supplies for livestock. Some cooler but still dry conditions are indicated for the Canadian prairies next week. There are good prospects for rain, at least in the southern regions of the Southern Plains, over the next five days. That could lead to some beneficial soil moisture ahead of winter wheat planting and a late season benefit to the row crops and also some of the pastures there.
0: Well, for the most part, though, pretty uh, dry, warm weekend. If you want to get out there, get the last few weekends out there before school starts and get some camping in school, starting next week,
2: Paul. Yeah,
8: for a lot of schools. It's, right. For some, even like today or so. So, oh. <laughs>
0: So well, the, this is the weekend if you're going to go out a good weekend to camp. Then, <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, it pretty. should
8: be pretty quiet. Uh, uh, no really beneficial moisture on the way for the time being, but maybe down the road. So,
0: All right, very good. Well, for weather any time, where can you go?
8: KRBN.com.
9: Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network, a very bearish USDA report. Soybeans plummeted in response to that report and were near the lows of the day as we are in corn and wheat. September corn, 360 and a half down eight and three quarters. December 374 and a quarter down eight and a half. August soybeans, 848 and three quarters, now down 39. September 853 and a quarter down 39 and three quarters. November 864 down 40. Chicago September wheat, 556 and a quarter down eight and a quarter. December 579 and a quarter down seven and a quarter september kansas city wheat five sixty nine and a half down nine december five ninety five and a quarter also down nine september minneapolis wheat six fourteen down fifteen and three quarters december six thirty one and three quarters down fifteen and a quarter most of the livestock contracts are a little lower august live cattle one oh eight seventeen down seven october's unchanged one oh nine oh five december one twelve seventy seven down twenty February 115.97 down 52. April 117.45 down 57. August feeder cattle up 30 at 149.65, but all the deferreds are lower. September 148.82 down 20. October 148.92 down 27. November 149.42 down 32. Lean hog trade sees August at 54.85 down 12. October 5122 down 17, December 4715 down 17. The Dow's down 181 at 25,327. Nasdaq Composite down 32 at 7,859. S&P 500 is down 16 at
3: 2,837. Farm Credit Services of America isn't just a lender that knows agriculture. We're a lender that serves agriculture. It's everything we do. So along with attractive rates, you'll find ag-friendly terms, services, and financial tools made just for you. You can also get the power of ownership, a voice in how we work, a stake in what we do, and a share of our net return. Call us. We're Farm Credit Services of America. Agriculture works here.
6: You remember how it was, gathering in the shadow of Chimney Rock, taking a wagon ride, then lining up for the most delicious Nebraska beefsteak, seasoned green beans, baked potato, and sourdough bread. And now Legacy of the Plains is recreating the event on the grounds of the museum Saturday, August 25th. Gates open at 5, dinner bell rings at 6. Then stay if you wish for the music of Chancey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band. The dinner will sell out fast. Get tickets at 308-436-1989 or legacyoftheplains.org.
10: USDA's numbers come in higher than pre-report expectations. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. Let's take a midday look at ag news. The crop estimates were released just earlier for USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates and crop production reports. Mike Zuzulo with Global Commodity Analytics breaks down and analyzes the numbers for us.
6: I think that's the clear message that the USDA sent was that the crop ratings won out with a 178.4 corn yield and a 51.6 bean yield. I wouldn't be surprised to look back and say these were our top-end numbers uh, for the crop year at this stage of the game if we don't get some decent rains in the next couple of weeks, especially uh, in the corn, because I'm not sure how much additional rains will help the corn at this point. But we have now 30 days to trade these numbers, and so USDA has put a marker down and said you've got plenty of supplies domestically. You don't have to worry as much about the world crop, and you don't have to worry as much about what's happening on the demand side Uh, when it comes to other areas that may need our corn and beans.
10: You can find the full report by visiting ruralradio.com. And a divided federal appeals court on Thursday ordered the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to ban a widely used pesticide that critics say can endanger children and farmers. The two to one decision by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Seattle overturned former EPA administrator Scott Pruitt's March 2017 denial of a petition by environmental groups to halt the use of clopyrophos on food crops such as fruits, vegetables, and nuts. This shows that the EPA can't just ignore the science that this pesticide damages children's brains. Marisa Ordonia, a lawyer for Earth Justice, which represented the petitioners, said in an interview. That Trump administration has to follow the law as does everyone else. Peruit's ruling, one of many by the administration to reduce federal regulatory oversight, had reversed a 2015 Obama administration recommendation to extend to food a 2000 ban on that pesticide that covered most household settings. And it's Friday, which means we're back with Fridays in the Field and we're in central Nebraska this week with grower Andrew McCarg as he gives an update on what the weather has been like since we last talked for pollination and now for grain fill.
11: just seems like in my short career that the weather was just perfect. I mean, pollination time, it was mid 80s, you know, I mean, we're, you know, 10 day forecast I was looking this morning. There's hardly a day over 90 and for grain fill. I just I just don't think it can be better, you know, as far as the weather goes. So just excited to see what that's going to turn out like. But it's hard to know. You never know what you have until you get out there, so it's exciting to see it, but at the same time, hard to know. So
10: This part of the state is heavily irrigated, and McCarg says they've started to slow down on some of their crops. Yeah,
11: I think uh, the corn is definitely slowing down. The corn and the earlier planted popcorn slowing down quite a bit. I mean, we're not done yet, but definitely on the downward slide. The organic crops and the beans are kind of at peak use, so luckily we've had some rains here, but we'll be running those pretty hard. I would think until the end of August here. Um, we'll see how things progress. but
10: You can head on over to our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter to find McCarg's full audio and video feature. And finally, just announced this morning by Governor Pete Ricketts, Seward County is the next in a strong lineup of livestock-friendly counties to be designated in Nebraska. Find that story as well as all of our other ag news, audio, and video by visiting ruralradio.com. You're listening to Ag News on the Rural Radio Network. It's time again this week to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And, Al, the heat getting turned back on this past week. Can we expect more of that headed into this weekend and next week?
3: Well, at least in the short term, I think we can get this forecast pretty much knocked down. Um, There's really not a lot to talk about outside the ridge that basically started to bring the heat in during the midweek period, brought some of the uh, into some of the cooler temperatures that invaded much of western Nebraska, and that's pivoting across the central plains. And as it does pivot across the central plains, we should be a fairly stagnant pattern, at least through this weekend. Um, there are signs that a trough is going to try to drop through the northern plains and slowly sag toward the south beginning of next week. And as the trough digs toward the south, of course, that's going to bring a little bit of cooler air to our north and our northeast. And there is some question about how much of that cool air will make its way into the state it looks like the best likelihood for some cooler temperature would be across eastern nebraska but more importantly right now the least gfs model which has been coming around to the european model and the canadian model seems to want to drop that trough down to about central texas and it cuts some of that energy off from the main trough over the great lakes leaving a cut up of upper air low over texas and. As we go into uh, early next week, that cutoff upper or low looks like it's going to pivot toward the east-northeast. And right now, the quantitative precipitation forecast has shown an increase over the last few days centered on the period from Monday through Wednesday for the most inclement weather. And it looks like if conditions continue to improve in terms of the forecast, that some of the areas of south-central and southeast Nebraska that have been missing out on many of these precipitation events may actually see some decent precipitation uh, we've seen that quantitative forecast for the next week jump by a factor of five from a tenth of an inch up to a half an inch along the north or, or the Platte River Valley and along the or excuse me along the Kansas border basically seeing that Qpf increasing into the half to one inch range so we'll hope that this does indeed verify out um, they would hit a lot of the major drought areas currently depicted on the drought monitor but in the same token what I would caution folks is that we are seeing a slow drying trend materializing across the upper Midwest. Even with these recent precipitation events that have been scattered in nature, the overall pattern has been much drier and much warmer for areas to the east of Nebraska. And this is consistent with El Nino light conditions as we start to see a, uh, a movement toward drier conditions across the northern plains under the influence of high pressure, drier conditions in the Pacific Northwest, and a return to wetter conditions across the southern one third of the United States. So we're We're starting to see that uh, starting to fall out into place in certain areas of the country, although we're still carrying some of the residual of the uh, carryover from this season in the atmosphere. So we're getting that delicate balance right now between a pattern that is developing and a pattern that is waning and as we go through this next thirty days i would think that we'll need to watch the northern plains to see whether or not this drying trend continues to expand and build both north and eastward and seeing if we're going to have a weakening of the northern jet so a lot of interesting things going on but at least there's a chance for precipitation especially considering uh, the poor uh, precipitation so far this month across a good portion of the corn belt and of course with bean fill going on right now this might actually help to at least get some of the pod fill that has been kind of lacking over the last few weeks due to the inclemently dry weather and additionally the increase in the hot temperatures, particularly from eastern Nebraska through the eastern
10: Corn Belt. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters.
0: Time for us to check in on sports. Here comes Brandon Bennett.
1: Good afternoon, Scott. The Husker football team resumed fall practice this morning. Offensive coordinator Troy Walters talks about how the coaches are using competition to get better.
12: Yeah, it's been awesome. Competition-wise, we're, we're deeper than we were in the spring across the board. And so that shows up in practice. Receivers versus DBs, we're getting after it. They're making us better. We're making them better. The older guys have embraced the younger guys. We're a family. The older guys are taking the younger guys under their wing. As we get going, sometimes the younger guys kind of take a backseat and just trying to learn the process, learn the standards.
1: The Huskers kick off their football season Saturday, September 1st, at home versus the University of Akron. The University of Nebraska Kearney volleyball team is ranked 8th in the AVCA Division II Top 25 preseason poll. UNK went 33-4 and last year and was ranked 9th in the final rankings. This is the 149th consecutive poll the Lopers have appeared in, as well as the 183rd time the program has cracked the top 10. Defending national champion Concordia University St. Paul is number one. The CU Golden Bears have won nine of the last 11 D2 national titles. And besides Concordia and Southwest Minnesota State, other central teams in the preseason poll include Northern State, Central Missouri, and Augustana. Other central squads receiving votes include Missouri Western and Wayne State College. The Lopers returned five starters and their top libero off of last year's team. The Lopers begin the regular season on Friday, August 24th at the Cougar Classic in San Marcos, California. Yesterday, Kansas State University announced that head football coach Bill Snyder has agreed to a new five-year deal with the Wildcats that will take him through the 2022 season. The 78-year-old Snyder will make $3.45 million this year and will receive $300,000 in increases in 2019 and 2020. Snyder has 210 career victories, third most among active FBS coaches behind Notre Dame's Brian Kelly at 219 and Alabama's Nick Saban at 218. The oldest active coach in FBS, Snyder, turns 79 this October. Former Husker coach and current Ohio University coach Frank Solich, who turns 74 next month, is the second oldest FBS coach. Snyder, who was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2015, is entering his 27th season at Kansas State. He was diagnosed with throat cancer last offseason, but recovered from chemotherapy treatments to coach the Wildcats all of last year. The Wildcats won five of their final six games last year to finish 8-5, and five, and last month the Wildcats were picked to finish sixth in the preseason Big 12 poll. Kevin Kisner, who played so well last month at the British Open, has made six birdies and shot 29 on the opening nine of today's second round of the PGA Championship in St. Louis, moving into the top of the leaderboard at 9-under for the tournament, and now the record-watching begins. The only 62 in a major championship came from Brendan Grace at the 2017 British Open at Royal Birkdale. The record relative to par is 9-under, most recently by Justin Thomas at last year's U.S. Open at Erin Hills. That's a check of sports. Stay tuned. More of Midday is straight ahead. You're listening to The Rule Radio Network.
2: This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen... High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out.
12: For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter.
0: Hey, if you're missing a goat and its baby, there was one found in Overton at Flatwater Food and Automotive on Highway 30. They're in Overton. A mama goat and a baby. They have not been harmed and are in great shape just looking for a home. Give them a call, 987-2310. 987-2310 if you're missing a goat and a baby.
13: forecast tonight, lows around 60 degrees, I'm Dave Schroeder, the Check of News. Nebraska's Prisons Director says delaying a long-time death row inmate's execution would likely prevent the state from ever carrying out the sentence because officials can't purchase any more of the necessary lethal injection drugs. Corrections Director Scott Frake said in a sworn statement yesterday that the pharmacy that supplied Nebraska's current batch of drugs is unwilling to sell the state any more. He says he has contacted at least 40 potential suppliers and only the current suppliers would provide them. The affidavit came in response to a pharmaceutical company's lawsuit alleging that the state plans to use their drugs improperly. A judge is expected to rule Friday on whether to postpone the execution. The topic of immigration reform continues to be in the forefront, especially following a huge law enforcement operation this week in Nebraska, Minnesota, and Las Vegas, where businesses were targeted that officials say knowingly hired and mistreated illegal immigrants. Nebraska's 3rd District Congressman Adrian Smith acknowledges Congress hasn't been able to
12: resolve the issue, but says there are proposals available. We need to pursue immigration policy that's based on freedom, opportunity, and the rule of law. If we don't focus on on any of those or or just uh, some of those without the others, you know, I I, I fear that we won't have good policy. Uh, But uh, we we do need to address this. Uh, We have a a bureaucratic approach now that ends up actually encouraging illegal immigration. We need to avoid that. Uh, Let's set up a system. Let's address this bureaucratic uh, uh, process that exists today so that we can end up with better policy.
13: The investigative arm of U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement led the operation Wednesday that saw 14 business owners and managers and 130 workers arrested. Mississippi is sending 20 firefighters to help battle wildfires in Colorado. News outlets report that the Colorado Forestry Commission is deploying the firefighters who leave Friday morning for Colorado. Several wildfires have spread across Colorado over the past month and forced many people to evacuate. State forester Charles Morgan is saying the firefighters will join federal and state efforts in fighting the wildfires. They will return to Mississippi in roughly two weeks. Storm Center coverage 24-7. Catch it on air, Twitter, Facebook, and online at krvn.com.
14: I'm Dave Schroen. Jason Jorgensen with you on Midday. Well, today we are talking fantasy football with Kevin Payne, one of the senior writers at rotowire.com. Let Rotowire help you win at fantasy football. They have all the draft kit information you'll need to dominate your league. Kevin, thanks a lot for the time. I it's that time of year again when everyone's amped up for fantasy football.
12: It is. It seems like every day, you know, whether somebody drops a pass or catches a pass or makes a throw or doesn't, kind of uh, affects their value. But you just got to kind of take uh, a lot of the information coming out of camp with a grain of salt. But we're definitely getting into the heart of draft season.
14: When you go into this season, what are some of the things you're, you're kind of focusing in on as we get set for another year of drafts and another year of the NFL?
12: Well, I think you gotta take a look at the position battles, um, that are going on out there. Especially it seems to be a lot of these running back situations are unsettled. We had a big crop of rookie running backs come in that are gonna make a pretty big impact. And the question is really, are they gonna, you know, be in some sort of timeshare? Or is the rookie in the position to go ahead and take over from day one and get, to, uh, work on two or three downs each and every series? So that's something you got to take a look at. And then you got to kind of look at your draft strategy and, and preparation. The one thing that it appears to be this season is that you want to get some running backs early. Just because those elite running backs who are going to be on the field for all three downs are very scarce and hard to come by. So if you can get those guys early. Positions like wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback seem to be pretty deep. So you can go ahead and wait into the mid-rounds to fill out your rosters as long as you get those running backs early. And I think that's going to provide a good foundation for your team um, before you go ahead and fill out the rest of your roster.
14: Today on Midday, we're joined by Kevin Payne of rotawire.com. Kevin, who are some of the breakout guys you're kind of keeping your eye on?
12: Yeah, a few guys that I would go ahead and, and talk about getting back to those running backs that are rookies and I think are going to make a big impact, uh, Darius Geis of the Washington Redskins. The Word came out this week that Chris Thompson, who's had a lot of the pass catching duties, is not going to be fully healthy until November. So Geis could be on the field right away and for all three downs. Another rookie like Royce Freeman out of Denver. He's in a battle with Devontae Booker. I think that Freeman is the guy with the more upside here. We didn't really see a lot out of Booker when he had the chance last season for Denver. So Freeman could be another good mid-round value that's going in the 6th and 7th round. As far as wide receivers go, I would take a look at guys like Devontae Parker for the Dolphins, Robbie Anderson from the New York Jets, Guys who are number ones on their team and with good, decent, at least, quarterback play could get you 800 to 1,000 yards and 6 to 8 touchdowns. At quarterback, I like guys like Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to go ahead and, and they felt comfortable enough getting rid of Alex Smith and handing the keys to the offense over to him. And being in an Andy Reid offense is always a good spot. So he's the guy I would take a look at, a quarterback who's going after uh, pick 100 in most drafts.
14: What would your advice be to players about this a crop of rookie quarterbacks? Would, Would you be hesitant on them? What's kind of your thoughts on those guys?
12: Yeah, and this is kind of where the divide becomes between real football and fantasy football. I'm not really high on any of these guys this season. Now, in the past, we've seen rookies break out. We saw it last year with Deshaun Watson before he got hurt. We've seen it in the past with Robert Griffin, Cam Newton. So there tends to be a guy that does go ahead, and by the end of the season, we look back and say that rookie made an impact. However, I think a lot of these guys are going to get brought along slowly, have veterans in front of them. So, therefore, they may not even see the field until – Midway through the season, if at all. So I'm going to say for fantasy purposes, exercise caution, because in real football terms, these franchises are thinking about these quarterbacks being their franchise quarterback for the next eight to 10 years. So they're going to do whatever they think is necessary this season to bring them along and make sure they're prepared so that once they actually do get the starting nod, they'll be there and be there for a long time.
14: Today on Midday, we're joined by Kevin Payne, Senior Rider with RotoWire.com. Now, Kevin, there are guys, it always happens that change teams, you know, due to free agency or trades. Any of those guys kind of on your radar?
12: Um, you know, the one guy uh, that's probably a mid- to late-round guy who I, I'm just curious to see what he can do is uh, Jordan Nelson, see if there's any gas left in the tank. He's going to the Oakland Raiders. He'll be the number two. There's no Crabtree there anymore. Aaron Rodgers really upset when they let him go from green bay which i think is very telling so there are a few guys i think that are going to have value this year and uh, i think jordy nelson is a guy that you could take a look at in those mid to late rounds that could provide some nice value
14: if you were sitting there with the number one pick and i know every league's a little bit different on how they score things but if you had the number one pick who would you take
12: yeah i think right now the safest guy is todd Gurley. um you look Le'Veon bells in the conversation but a lot of his numbers Especially, uh, yards per carry and a lot of the, the stats like that were down a little bit last year for him. So that's why I don't have him number one. And David Johnson coming off the wrist injury could be a very run heavy offense. Um, even if Sam Bradford does start week one, very run heavy offense, but a little bit worried about that wrist. And they drafted a really nice rookie named Chase Edmonds who might get some work as well. So I think that's the safest guy with the offense that has the most upside. Is going to be Gurley, who finally they started throwing the ball to out of the backfield last year, just adding to his value. I think we're going to see him get into uh, well over 1,000 yards rushing and get into the end zone at least double-digit times.
14: That was Kevin Payne, senior writer at com, talking a little fantasy football with those drafts just around the corner. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
4: Stocks are trending downward. With the Midday Business Report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are skidding on Wall Street today, following even sharper drops in Europe as investors worried about the financial stability of Turkey. Turkish currency nosedived again following concerns about the country's economic policies and higher sanctions from the U.S. European banks are taking some of the worst losses, Seeking safety, investors are buying U.S. dollars and government bonds. The rising dollar helped U.S.-focused companies but hurt big exporters. Rising bond prices are sending interest rates lower, hurting banks. Consumer prices climbed 2.9 percent in July from a year earlier. The Labor Department saying today that the consumer price index ticked up two tenths percent in July, mostly from higher housing costs. Core prices, which exclude the volatile food and energy categories rose two-tenths percent in June and 2.4 percent from a year ago. That rate of inflation suggests that Americans are earning less than a year ago despite an otherwise solid economy. The Trump administration plans to roll back another major Obama-era rule that was created to police the for-profit college industry. Education Department officials have proposed to rescind so-called gainful employment rules the 2014 regulation threatened to cut federal funding to for-profit colleges that left graduates with high ratios of debt compared to their incomes. Federal officials now argue the rule wasn't backed up by research and created burdensome reporting requirements. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and other sites are finding themselves in a role they never wanted as gatekeepers of discourse on their platforms Deciding what should and shouldn't be allowed, and often angering almost everyone. The latest point of contention is Alex Jones, the right-wing conspiracy theorist, suddenly found himself banned from most major social platforms this week after years of being allowed to use them. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Dewey Nelson with Jim Baldonado from The Home Agent.
9: Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson with a market report on the Rural Radio Network. Shortly before the close, we're at or near the lows of the day in the grain and soybean futures, reacting very strongly bearish on the USDA report today. September, corn 357 and three quarters down 11 and a half. December, 371 and three quarters down 11. August, soybeans 848 and three quarters down 39. September, 854 down 39 as well. And November, down 39 at 865. September Chicago wheat, 5.46 and 3 quarters, down 17 and 3 quarters. December 5.69, down 17 and a half. Kansas City, September 5.60 and a quarter, down 18 and a quarter. December 5.85 and a half, down 18 and 3 quarters. Minneapolis, September 6.10 and a half, down 19 and a quarter. They lack the volatility in these cattle and hog futures today. In a kind of a quiet session, narrow trading range, August live cattle settled unchanged, 108.25. October 109.25, up 20. December 113.10, up 12. February 116.37, down 12. August feeder cattle 149.90, up 55. September 149.52, up 50. October 149.47, up 27. November 149.92, up 17. August lean hogs at 54.80, down 17. October 51.17, down 22. But December settled 15 higher at 47.47. Latest from Wall Street, the Dow down 238 at 25,270. NASDAQ down 57 at 7,834. The S&P 500 down 22 at 2,832.
10: Hey guys, it's Shaley, and we are excited once again this year to be bringing you Fridays in the Field. Every Friday, we'll make our way from the northeast part of the state.
0: This is Chad Moyer in West Point. I'll be visiting with Dodge County farmer Nathan Shoal, talking a little bit about corn, soybeans. His efforts to incorporate cover crops into his operation. And we'll also talk a little
12: livestock as well.
10: Then head to Southeast Nebraska and hear updates from Bryce Duskett, his beginning farmer.
12: I'll be following Andrew Year, a recent UNL graduate who is in his first year as a full-time producer.
10: We'll also pop in in Central Nebraska as I catch up with grower Andrew McCarg as he grows popcorn, other organic and conventional crops. And finally, make our way to the panhandle to really showcase the diversity all across Nebraska. I'm Chabella Guzman. And join me on Fridays over the next few months as we talk with farmer Chris Cullen in Hemingford about everything from wheat to sugar beets and more. Find all things Fridays in the Field on our Facebook, Twitter, and RuralRadio.com.
9: Next, we get a review of the livestock futures trade. Comments from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe?
15: Yeah, kind of a choppy day in the cattle today. Uh, We're going to finish mixed also, Uh, uh... a little higher in the front end a little lower in the back end and a pretty quiet trade uh, uh it just seemed like a lot of evening up after uh, the week and the cattle will close lower for the week also cutouts uh, holding in there a little bit better uh, once again but uh and the cattle that have traded uh i think there's some disappointment because we just weren't getting the prices that everybody anticipated this week and uh but uh, we did get some short covering uh, to bring the uh, front end back and some bull spreading over in the uh, feeders uh, finishing a little bit better uh, as, as we're still continuing to be discount to uh, the index and uh, it was a pretty quiet trade also we saw both sides of unchanged they're going to finish lower for the week also over in the hogs uh, after yesterday's big up day uh, we're going to end up mixed to uh, mostly lower uh, some, uh, Uh, concerned still because cash still lower uh, again today and uh, but cutouts were uh, studied a little bit better and that uh, uh, helped maintain the market to some degree but uh, we're going to finish mixed and lower for the week in the hogs also so overall uh, livestock uh, futures uh, lower for the week all three of them
9: Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter through Saturday is now estimated at 645,000, 19,000 more than a week ago and 9,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter, 2,333,000, 13,000 more than a week ago, 50,000 more than a year ago. This is the Rural Radio Network.
10: It's Friday, which means we're back this week with Fridays in the Field. I am Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. My grower this week takes us to central Nebraska. Andrew McCarg of Chapman, who grows a variety of conventional and organic crops, as well as others, gives us an update since the last time we talked to him in June.
11: Yeah, yeah, corn has is, corn is grown crazy fast. And as you can see, it's tasseled and pollinated. And as far as we can tell, stuff looks really good overall. Um, July was pretty good to us so we had pretty good rain till maybe that second weekend of July Then we irrigated pretty hard until earlier this week we got some rain. Also got a little bit of hail with that. We're fortunate on our farm we didn't get hit as hard as some guys. Some guys in the area really got hit hard with hail. It's hard to see that. Overall we we're really happy with the way things look and excited for harvest. I think I think we're going to have really good yields so
10: of course andrew one of the things we always talk about and one of the reasons uh, you were chosen this year as a grower is because you have diversified your crops and so maybe give us an update on where each crop is at and what they're looking like
11: right yeah we do do a lot of different things and i think the difference between corn and popcorn early on you know the corn we plant the corn first and it gets up and going and we'll have that hilled and watering it earlier than the popcorn but the popcorn's really short season so this time of year they kind of start to get closer together and you know we'll end up the popcorn will actually pass the corn and we'll end up picking that first and the way it looks right now i mean we might be picking end of september or maybe even mid september on some of our popcorn that white corn is a lot longer season you know you know that's quite a ways out some of our regular yellow corn starting to dent now and but as we get to this point in the year it seems like things start to get a little closer as far as maturity our organic crops we plant quite a bit later just for weed control and quicker growth so we're still irrigating those pretty hard we're kind of right in the crucial period on those yet some of the most of the corn and popcorn or conventional popcorn is slowing down now
10: kind of hard to believe that the next time we will be visiting with you it'll probably be in the midst of harvest so how are you feeling with this year headed into kind of the final stretch here
11: i think we're really excited here just obviously we're mostly irrigated but just with the rains we've had every corner every every stock has gotten watered we're just really excited to see. I think we should have some really good field averages and farm averages just tying everything together. And just, yeah, we're obviously a little nervous about, I mean, the price isn't great, but the crops look good, so there's kind of some. Some good with the bad so
10: you bring that up. It's been a very interesting summer and a lot has happened actually since the last time we talked to you in June. Andrew, what's your perspective as a young producer who's in the midst of this?
11: Yeah, I think it's scary to see I mean just to see the prices where they're at. I mean that for me personally that's part of the reason we're diversified is just to try to withstand that a little bit. But the the tariffs, the prices, you know, all of our crops including organic is based on the board of trade in some way or form and so that puts everything a little bit lower and it's it's hard enough to make it in this business but when you're you know potentially i've read and heard that we're potentially a dollar under what we could be if we could get some tariffs and you know trade figured out so that's kind of hard but you know just doing what we can you know we've saved some money on irrigation or just trying to run it lean and tight and We'll make it through and hopefully, you know, we'll have better prices next year.
10: It's Central Nebraska farmer Andrew McCarg for this week's Fridays in the Field. Catch all of our audio and video from Fridays in the Field by following us on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and of course, visiting ruralradio.com. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network.
9: Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Well, we have that USDA report out this morning. John Payne joins us from. Uh Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and he's publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. So there were so many negative factors in this one. Did you find something that was positive?
7: Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of good things that I think will come out of it long term. The demand side on corn is where you want to start. They raised demand another 150 million bushels, so we're just around 14.9 billion for next year, which uh, you know really sets the high bar here for us to produce going forward. That is going to stay where it is. I imagine we could even see it creep higher in the short term. So, uh, from a corn side, I, I don't take the report as that bearish. I think a lot of this is expected. The yield, you know, relative to the conditions, have kind of reflect this. Now you can debate you know, whether it should be 176 or 180. I guess, but you know, 178 oh. and 179 seems to be a level that uh, you know should be somewhat supportive uh, for the markets longer term. I think you know between now and step one, I expect markets to stay pretty ugly. It's uh, A lot of supply out there needs to clear here, old crop combined with the early new crop harvest. So if a rally comes, I think you want to be in there by March, you know, mid 370s and higher, I think you should have an opportunity to make some money with that.
9: Well, at the same time, I thought possibly there could be some bargain picking on the bottom here today, but that didn't seem to occur.
7: No, I I think the markets like wheat, you're gonna have a, we're still really elevated compared to where we were in July. Uh, The carryout is a little higher in the US uh, relative to July and you have global supply, you know, really wasn't taken down by the USDA. So that whole story that everybody's talking about, about Europe being dry and uh, Russia being dry still exists, but Russia's crop actually was raised in the last month. So short-term here, I think it's going to be ugly for wheat. I'd imagine we're down next week, probably into the delivery, um, as we're still, oh, 60, 70 cents above where July went off the board. Um, If you guys do have platforms or trade online, take a look at that Matif wheat contract. Uh, that'll be the one that'll really open up Sunday night and, and be watched as uh, we close before the USDA report. So we didn't get a chance to trade it. But that feels like it has a long way to fall.
9: Do we have anything uh, to look forward to as far as being positive in soybeans near term?
7: Uh, long term, I think, <laughs> you know, bringing lower acres. But uh, short term, much like the other crops, we have a big supply that needs to clear in the short term. And I think step delivery, much like July delivery being ugly, I look for September delivery to kind of give us that same type of bearish taste in our mouth.
9: Thanks John, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielzagmarketing.com. The corn trade finishes 11 and a quarter to 12 lower, soybeans 41 to 43 and a quarter lower, Kansas City wheat 18 to 19 and 3 quarters lower, and Chicago wheat was 16 to 18 lower. This is the Rural Radio Network.